Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now so that we do not abandon and forsake your law, but live according to it instead. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at this parable from the Lord Jesus. A parable is a story that the Lord Jesus told in order to convey some form of meaning to the people who were listening, to impress upon them some religious truth. What happens in this parable? What is this story about? Well, it's about a a very wealthy man, a, a master who has servants, and he is going on a journey and he gives his servants some money to look after until he returns. He gives them a commission to look after a certain sum of money that he gives to each one. Uh, What does he give them? Well, we read in verse 15, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. What is a talent, you ask? Well, it's a measure of money. And at this time, it probably would be, one talent would be worth about 20 years' wages. 20 years' wages. Uh, So people try and work out what are these measurements in the Bible and how much uh, is it in today's terms. And so if you put it in the terms of how much a piece of money is worth per day and then how much it is per year, and and over a 20-year period, you might amass one talent. And so if you think of... What that means in today's terms, what's, what's five talents worth in our currency today? Well, if we estimate apparently around the average wage of an Australian a salary per year, it's $50,000. You might get more than that. You might get a bit less. Uh, if it's $50,000, well, then 20 years of $50,000 is equivalent to about $1 million. So $1 million is one talent. So when you look at these servants... One servant gets $5 million to look after, another servant gets $2 million to look after until his master returns, and another servant gets $1 million to look after. Now, what happens in the story? Well, the first two servants invest the money and gain a 100% return on the money that has been given them to look after. So one equivalent, in today's terms, ends up with $10 million to give back to the master, and the other servant, with his $2 million, ends up with $4 million to give back to the master in today's terms. So what does the master do for these two servants? Well, he rewards them. How does he reward them? He commends them. He gives them even more responsibility now that he has returned, and he encourages them to share in his happiness, to be in his presence and share in his happiness. And we see that in verse 21, where he's speaking to the the servant who had the five talents and gained five more. In verse 21, what does the master do? Well, we see his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He gives this commendation to the servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And he does this for both of the servants. Doesn't matter that one makes less than the other, uh, because he started with less, they both get the same reward from the master. What does the last servant do? Remember, there were three servants. One got five talents, one got two, and one got one talent. Well, he hides the money and gains no return on on it, obviously, because he just put it in a hole in the ground. What else does he do? Well, he excuses himself for not investing it as he should have. And we read that in verse 25. Look with me at Matthew 25, verse 25, where he's speaking to the master, and he says 
Uh, actually, we'll read from verse 24. Verse 24 of Matthew 25, it says, Then the man who had received the one talent came. He said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He makes this excuse that the master is a hard man and he was afraid of the master, afraid of possibly losing some of the money and afraid of if he doesn't get much of a return, what will happen? And so he excuses himself saying that the master is a hard man. Now, what does the master do in response to this? Well, he punishes him. How does he punish him? Well, firstly, he condemns him. He commended the ones who were faithful servants, but this unfaithful servant he condemns as wicked and lazy. We read that in verse 26. Matthew 25, verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. He also shows that the man is a liar. He says, so you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. If that is the way you think I live, well then, what should you have done if you were afraid? Verse 27, well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You should have gotten something for my money if you were afraid of me. You should have been afraid to hold it, uh, to bury it in the ground. And so he shows that the man is a liar. And what does he do then? He takes the money from the unfaithful servant. Verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. And what else does he do? Well, he throws the servant outside of his kingdom. And we read that in verse 30. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is the parable that the Lord Jesus told. Now, what is the purpose of this parable? What is he trying to teach us? What's the meaning of this story? Well, God is the master and we are God's servants. Why are we God's servants? Well, he has created us all. If you look at that passage in Genesis chapter 1, which Anthony read for us before, we see that it is God who created our first parents, and from our first parents, we have all come. And so, therefore, we are his servants, as God is our master. And what has God done for us? Well, he's given us all different gifts. We're not all the same. We have different gifts. We have natural gifts, physical gifts, and we also have spiritual gifts that the Lord gives us. We're made of body and soul. And he has given us different abilities with our bodies and with our souls. And, of course, the things that we have around us. And what does God want to do with us? What is the parable trying to teach us? Well, it teaches us that God wants us to invest wisely using the gifts that he has given us. We're meant to use them for his glory. We're meant to bring a return to him, the advancement of his kingdom. We're meant to see his kingdom grow and prosper using the gifts that God has given us. And what then happens to good investors? Well, we recognise that God will reward on Judgment Day those who have invested wisely with his gifts. How will he reward them? Well, he'll commend them. He'll commend them as good and faithful servants. He will give them in, uh, some sort of increased responsibility in the new heavens and the new earth. And wonderfully, he will invite them to share in his happiness in heaven itself. He will welcome them into heaven. But what about the bad investors? What will God do according to this parable? Well, he will condemn them as wicked and lazy servants. He will show that they are liars for all their excuses that they have made about God being a harsh master. They will be shown to be liars and they will lose what they have. It will be taken from them. All their gifts, all their possessions will be taken from them. And they will be cast 
outside into hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, why am I preaching on this parable today? I'm doing a series at the moment, if you're a regular here at Des Moines Baptist in Matthew's Gospel, but way back at the beginning of the Gospel. Why am I preaching on Matthew chapter 25 today? Well, I actually used this parable to encourage Anthony Constantine to become a pastor of this church, to become an elder of Des Moines Baptist Church. Uh, the church elders could see that Anthony had the teaching and encouragement and he was uh, the moral gifting from the Lord and we wanted to see him become an elder. I knew about his gifts firsthand. He has been a great encouragement and support to me at this church. He's taught me many things and so I wanted to see him become an elder of the church so that he could continue to support and encourage us in a greater way. And, and that's what the elders decided. They decided to try and invest Anthony as a gift from the Lord to us at Dremoyne Baptist Church so that he could help us make decisions with the wisdom that God has given us and that he could teach more widely, that it'd be understood that he should be in a teaching position more widely in the church because he is an elder, he is a pastor of the church. Now, what happened? Well, at first, Anthony was humbly resistant to our encouragement and our request for him to become an elder at Dremoyne Baptist Church. But one night I asked him if he was hiding his talents, God's gifts in him, in the ground. And what happened that night? Well, apparently, uh, God kept him awake most of that night after Bible study on a Tuesday evening and made him willing to see that if the church would have him, he would consider more seriously being an elder of the church. So what happened after that? Well, our whole church had to consider whether Anthony is a gift from the Lord, from God, and whether we are actually burying Anthony in the ground by not having him as an elder of Des Moines Baptist Church. Are we digging a hole and keeping him in the ground by not having him an elder, as an elder? So what happened? Well, last month, the church voted not to bury Anthony, but to invest him more widely in the life of this church and outside of it. And today is a public acknowledgement of our investment and our commitment not to bury Anthony at Des Moines Baptist Church, but to invest him for the blessing of this church. But that then raises the question, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? Is it really just so that we can milk Anthony for all he's worth? Is that why we're wanting him to be an elder at Des Moines Baptist Church? So that we can benefit from him more greatly. So that I can palm off all the things I don't want to do onto Anthony and he has to accept them because now he's an elder of the church. Why do we want him to be an elder at Des Moines Baptist Church? Well, ultimately we want this for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom. That's what we are about. We do not want God to say that our church and Anthony are wicked and lazy servants because we thought it was too hard to make him an elder of Des Moines Baptist Church. We were comfortable the way we are with the elders that we've got or that we didn't like the idea of having another person over us that we would have to submit to according to God's word. We didn't want God to say that we are wicked and lazy servants. We did not want to behave like hell-deserving unbelievers because we would have this precious gift from the Lord, Anthony Constantine, and then we would bury him and not invest him as we should. What we want is God to say to Anthony and to us at Des Moines Baptist Church, well done, good and faithful servants. 
for what we are doing in investing Anthony as a gift from the Lord to us. We want to joyfully go into heaven and share our master's happiness as he welcomes us to do so in his presence with the fullness of joy that comes of being in his presence. So that's Anthony and Dremoyne Baptist Church. Question is, what about you? All of us have been given gifts from God. What gifts, you ask? Well, everything from your bodies with all their abilities to our minds with the knowledge and wisdom that they contain about the world that we live in and about God himself to our money and our possessions, our house, our car, everything that we own is a gift from the Lord. To our family and our nation, the people that are around us, they are gifts from, us, uh, gifts from God to us. Our children, our parents, our grandparents, all the people in our neighbourhood, and then, of course, further extended throughout our nation. Those people are gifts from God for our blessing. And so then we have to ask the question, am I putting the gifts that God has given me to use for God's glory? Or are we bearing them? Are we bearing those gifts that God has given us and not using them for his kingdom? We're instead using them for our kingdom. Now, you may ask the question, why bother asking this question and why bother investing for God? Well, because the parable is clear that one day God will investigate what we've done with all his resources. God will investigate one day what we've done with all his resources. He will remind us that our bodies, our minds, our possessions, the people around us were never actually ours. We were simply stewards looking after God's possessions. He will remind us of that, that we were just caretakers. And he will come and investigate us. When will he come and investigate us? Well, it will be when Christ returns or when we die. So for most of us, it'll be around the 70 to 80 year mark. For some of us, it may be earlier. For some of us, it may be later. But what is certain is that we cannot put off appearing before God's judgment throne one day and his investigation as to what we have done with the gifts that he has given us, whether we've invested them wisely or whether we've just simply buried them in the ground and not used them for his kingdom. And what will happen on that day where we appear before God's throne of judgment? Well, it depends. If we're good investors and have glorified God with what he has given us, what will happen? Well, God will reward us. How will he reward us? Well, he will commend us as good and faithful servants and welcome us into his joyful presence. But if we are bad investors, if we have not glorified God with our lives, what will happen? Well, you may try to make some comment to God as he sits on his throne about him being a harsh master. Why would you do that? Well, you say, I didn't have as much as others. I wasn't as healthy, I wasn't as wealthy, and I wasn't as wise as others. So therefore, I did not invest what you gave me. I dug a hole and put it in the ground instead. But deep down, we know that that's an outright lie. Why? Because even those who don't have much are incredibly blessed in this world. You may not have as good a health as the person sitting next to you or as much wealth or not be as wise as the person next to you, but what you do have 
from God is an incredible blessing. We are all incredibly blessed. And it is an outright lie to say that God is a harsh master. He has been a generous and kind God. And so what will happen to those who haven't invested for him? God will condemn you and take away what you have and then cast you into hell. All that you own will be stripped from you and you'll be placed in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, does that seem harsh, that God would do that? Well, wouldn't we do the same thing if someone didn't use our money rightly? If we put $5 million, and that's the equivalent of the servant who had the great blessing, the greatest amount from the master, if we put $5 million in a retirement account to be invested by the fund that we go with, and we come back to it 40 years later, wouldn't we expect our investors to have gotten a good return on that money? How much should we expect? Well, if you put $5 million in a superannuation account, a retirement account, at the moment, apparently, you should be looking at returns of around 8%. Of course, it fluctuates up and down as the years go back and forth, and the markets rise and fall. But generally speaking, you're looking at about 8%. Now, I put that into a calculator with compounded interest. And if you put $5 million into a retirement account today and came back to it 40 years later and had 8% compounded interest, you're looking at $109 million. $109 million. But if after 40 years you come back to this superannuation fund, these investors, and you find that it is still $5 million, when it should be over $100 million in that account by that time, what would we do? What would we do? Well, we'd definitely withdraw the money. You're no longer looking after my possessions. What else would we do? I would speak some words of condemnation. You wicked and lazy servants would probably be the first things we say, but not the last. And then what would we do? We'd probably look at some sort of legal challenge to try and get our $100 million on top of our $5 million. We'd make them pay. Pay in court, pay some way, pay in jail. We'd be looking to make sure that whatever we can do to get that $100 million would be coming to us. So shouldn't God treat us with the same justice that we would use when God has given us so much more? What has God given us? He's given us life itself. He's given us a body. He's given us a mind. He's given us possessions. He's given us people around us to support us and for us to utilise for the advancement of his kingdom. And he's given us time, usually decades of time, to use for his glory. So can anyone truly call God unjust for punishing awful investors, awful investors of his property for wickedness and not for his glory? So what are you to do then if you're a bad investor? As you look at this parable and you don't see yourself as the five talents guy and you don't see yourself as the two talents guy, you see that you're more like the one talent guy. You're a bad investor. You've ignored God for years, possibly even for decades. Is it possible for you to ever hear God say, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Can you start investing for God now with what God has given you? Or is it too late? Well, the truth is, none of us can actually earn entrance into God's heaven, into the master's happiness. Why? We're all bad investors. We're all terrible investors with what God has given us. It's easy to misunderstand this parable, I think, and to think that good investors earn heaven. That if you use what God has given you, and you can see his kingdom advance as a result of that, and that he is glorified, that you can somehow earn a place in heaven. But few of us are able to use what God has given us for maximal return. Few of us become Christians at a young age, and few of us live a life of serving God well. Even if we do, do we ever utilise the gifts that God has given us for maximal return? I'm a pastor of a church. People would think that I'm maximally using the gifts that God has given me, but I'm very aware of my failings, my laziness. And Anthony, as an elder of this church, he's aware of his failings too, which is part of the reason why he, he wasn't interested at first of becoming an elder at the church. He's aware that he does not invest as he should. And so do I. And so do all true Christians. We're very much aware that we are bad investors. So what is our hope to ever be rewarded by God, to be commended by him as good and faithful servants when we're terrible investors and to be welcomed in to share in his happiness? Well, our only hope is Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is Jesus Christ our only hope? Well, he also was gifted by God. He was gifted by God. But unlike us, Jesus maximally invested God's gifts and achieved an enormous return, an enormous return, an enormous profit on the gifts that he had. How so? Well, he lived a righteous life, a perfect life, a righteous life and earned access to heaven for himself and also then for others who trust in him. But you ask, what about our sinful misuse of God's talents and the destruction that we deserve in hell? Don't we all deserve to be cast out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth? Well, Jesus also suffered the penalty that we deserve for not using our talents as we should. He suffered the penalty that we deserve at the cross. At the cross, Jesus experienced the condemnation, wicked and lazy servant that we deserve to hear. Jesus was cast out of the master's presence into darkness and pain, which is what we deserve for our sin, which then means that all who trust in Jesus Christ will hear what he, the perfect investor, hears. What's that? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Jesus hears because of the way that he lived. He hears, come and share in your master's happiness. And that is what all those, all those who trust in Christ Jesus also will hear. If we trust in Christ today, no matter how bad an investor we have been, if you've never invested anything that God has given you, for his glory, in your entire life to this point, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you are considered a good investor because of the work of Christ Jesus. What is Christ Jesus for us? He's a bailout. 
He's a bailout of the bad investments that we have made and all the loss that we have done when we should have been making a profit for God. But we have to receive that bailout by faith. You have to receive it. He doesn't bail out everybody. He bails out those who trust in him and come to him for forgiveness. So then you ask, well, why do we bother being a good investor? Why do we bother being like Anthony and and putting our gifts to maximal return? If Jesus has done it all, why don't we just trust in him and then squander what he's given us and we'll still be welcomed into the master's happiness one day? Why don't we do that? Well, because all those who truly believe in Jesus Christ love God. They love God for his generosity, for all he has given, their bodies, their minds, their possessions, the people around them, but also giving them Jesus Christ himself as the bailout that they need if they are to enter into eternal life, for giving them to heaven in Christ's name, for giving them the Holy Spirit to work in them, the salvation that they desire. So being a good investor for God doesn't earn us entrance into heaven, but it shows what? It shows that we have already gained entrance into heaven through Jesus Christ. Anthony didn't agree to become an elder at Moines Baptist Church to earn his way into heaven. I didn't become a pastor of a church to earn my way into heaven. Why is Anthony going to heaven? Why am I going to heaven? Why are the members of Des Moines Baptist going to heaven? It's because of our faith in Christ Jesus and his good investments. That is why we're going to heaven. So why did Anthony become an elder? He couldn't help it, really. He couldn't help it. The Spirit gave him the desire to serve the Master. He loves the Master so much that he will use whatever gifts God has given him for the advancement of God's kingdom. Then he receives that assurance that he is a good and faithful servant in Christ because he sees the spirit at work in him, moving him to make the best possible return that he can achieve on the gifts that God has given him. So Anthony then serves, and I serve, and the elders, other elders of this church, Danny and Ray and Josh, we serve, and the members of this church serve. We serve with joy not fear of hell. Why? Because any failings that we have in our service, any bad investments that we make, any laziness or wickedness on our part is thankfully covered in Christ's blood and washed away and so we wake another day and we invest as best we're able the next day. So if we want to know if we're going to heaven, what should we do? We should ask, am I trusting in Christ? for his work, for his investments, to bring me his reward. But also ask, am I investing all that God has given me for his glory because I love him? Because I don't call him a wicked and harsh master, but I see him as a good master. And so, of course, I will use what he has given me for his glory. Many say, oh, I believe in Jesus. But they're bad investments show what? They show they are liars. They don't really believe in Jesus. If they really loved Jesus, really loved him, they would be seeking to make good investments of the gifts that God has given them. And what will happen? Well, one day they'll be shocked to hear God say, you wicked, lazy servant. 
you wicked lazy servant. And then what? A command will be given from God to place them in hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. May it not be for anyone here this morning. I encourage you, if you've never done it before, trust in Christ Jesus and live for Christ Jesus, making good use of the talents, the gifts that he has given you. And then rejoice with Christ. Rejoice in the love that he has shown you by taking your place, by giving his righteousness over to your account. Rejoice with Christ. And rejoice with Anthony. And rejoice with Christ, not just in this world, but look forward to rejoicing with Christ and Anthony and all God's people in heaven and sharing in the Master's happiness for all eternity. Let us come to God in prayer. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we praise you for generously giving us all we have. But Lord, we must confess that we have not served you as we should. We have not being good investors of the gifts that you have granted. But we thank you for also giving us the indescribable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay for our many, many poor investments and for hiding your gifts in the ground. Lord, we ask that you would help us who love you to faithfully serve you looking for assurance that one day we will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness because we have faith in Christ Jesus and we're showing, showing that faith is true by the investments we make in the Spirit's strength. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is a wicked and lazy servant, oh Lord, we pray that they would no longer despise you and say that you are harsh, but instead, O oh Lord, we pray that they would confess their poor investment of your resources, ask for forgiveness in Christ Jesus, and then begin to joyfully serve you, looking forward to Christ's reward. And we pray this in his name. Amen.